Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and happy Friday, everyone. Uh, NFL Sunday week two is upon us. I don't know what y'all thought about the uh, Bucks Panthers game. It was, uh, well, it was true to form. It was another lackluster Thursday night football game. Um, but I, I guess, you know, the Niners beat the Bucks and the Bucks beat the Panthers. I think the Niners played the Panthers in week eight. So I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Every week is different Sunday to Sunday, any given Sunday. Um, but I wanted to get on the pod right quick before Sunday, just to give a couple of uh, my initial thoughts going into week two in the NFC West. Right now, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, they're 1-0. The Cardinals are 0-0-1 because they tied against the Lions. And so technically, this is the winningest division in the NFL right now after one week. But Cardinals, Cardinals are at Baltimore. Niners are at Cincy. Seahawks are at Pittsburgh. And the Rams are hosting the Saints in what should be a nice little rematch of the NFC's championship game. I wanted to get the chance to talk a little bit about the matchups, give my predictions, and, you know, come come Monday, Tuesday time after the games have uh, been played out, I'll go ahead and link up with my co-host, tee up, and talk about those games. So let's go ahead and get it. Cardinals at Baltimore. Ooh, Baltimore is coming off an onslaught against the Dolphins. This is their home opener. And it's a really interesting game because you have Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, both Heisman Trophy winners, and both, you know, theoretically speaking, both quarterbacks are trying to revolutionize offenses in the NFL in a very different way. Kyler Murray with the 10 personnel with four wide receivers, and then you have that run-heavy Greg Roman offense with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Mind you, Lamar Jackson finally kind of showed and made his debut to the NFL last week that he's more than just a running quarterback. He can throw the ball just a little bit. He had, uh, what what was it, Um, the rookie Hollywood Marquise Brown. uh, He had, oh, shit. He had 147 passing yards and two touchdowns based off play action where, you know, the Ravens run the ball heavy, but they finally make defenses pay um, for their run-heavy scheme. Uh, so having said that, the Cardinals are obvious underdogs, 13.5 point favorites over under 46.5. I mean, my initial thoughts with this is just, you know, coming off that tie game against the Lions. I mean, the first three quarters were shit. Honestly, they, they were horrible. Um, this offense looked less lackluster and a little, little simple. Um, just, to, I don't know, just they didn't look good. And had they lost that game... You know, there would be, I think the, sp- the spread right here at 13 and a half, it would be closer to what the Patriots are laying against the, the Dolphins, which is right around 19. Uh, but they finished strong. Kyler Murray had a great fourth quarter. I think pro football focus, I think his, his quarterback rating was right around 77 or so. They tied it, which kind of feels like a win in itself, considering how bad they were early on in the game. But yeah, I mean... Just where are the Cardinals going into the Ravens' home opener? This is a bit of a homecoming for edge pass rusher Terrell Suggs, who's from Arizona State, but he spent like several years, you know, with the Ravens, and so that should be interesting. Um, the Cardinals, their right tackle, Marcus Gilbert, last week he tore his ACL. 
Uh, and so Justin Murray, an undrafted, I think he's a rookie, an undrafted right tackle, slid in. He looked okay. I think he's going to get the start. The Cardinals are going to – oh, actually, no, there he did. They signed Jordan Mills from the Bills to a one-year deal to solidify some of the depth. But that doesn't bode well against you know the Ravens, who have a very strong front seven. Um, another thing that is concerning for the Cardinals is you know their secondary. They have Tremaine Brock, they have Byron Murphy, uh, they have you know Buda Baker, they have DJ Swearinger, but not a lot of experience just because of all these injuries and you know Patrick Peterson's suspension. And so you know the Ravens, their their offense, you know passing game wise outside of you know those big plays last week. I mean it's not ridiculously potent but i mean the secondary on the cardinals isn't that great either i'm actually more worried about the cardinals run defense uh between mark ingram gus edwards justice hill i mean they have a very strong rush heavy attack it's quite obvious and you know the cardinals you know when you when you look at this roster they're they're front seven uh not particularly stout against the run so I don't know, man. Um, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, all, all of them. I don't know how many rushing yards they're going to hang up. But overall, this Cardinals defense, I'm, I'm a bit worried about it. I'll just say that. I'm a bit worried. Um, conversely, on the offense, I mean, Kyler Murray, you would hope that, um, I mean, shoot, this is going to be his first career road game. It's going to be in a tough environment in Baltimore. It's a 10 a.m. Eastern game. I'm worried to see how he's going to do against this Baltimore's defense, but, you know, let's just see how this goes. Michael Crabtree, from what I understand, is going to be now placed in the mix in the receiver rotation, which is promising. Um, You saw some glimpses of optimism in the fourth quarter. Obviously, last week, you saw David Johnson. He got 18 carries. They, They got him involved in the run game. And so let's just see what the play calling does in week two for cliff kingsbury having said that um i just think that this ravens team overmatches the cardinals uh 13 and a half i think oh man give me the cardinals losing 13 to the ravens 28 so the spread is 13 and a half over under 46 and a half giving the cardinals 13 the ravens 28 onwards we have another road game um, the Niners are, you know, in the East Coast as well. They've been chilling in Youngstown, practicing, trying to get adjusted to the Eastern Standard Time frame. But, uh, yeah, the Niners haven't won back-to-back road games, let alone in the East Coast, in forever. Uh, they, they typically struggle. And so the Niners enter the Bengals as underdogs. The Bengals are favored by one and a half, over under 45 you know, there was a little bit more optimism going into this when we looked at the schedule because, I mean, the Bengals are kind of a rebuilding team. But they hung up, or Andy Dalton for that matter, uh, with their new head coach, Zach Taylor. I mean, at Seattle, they hung, what was it, 415 passing yards against the Seattle defense at Seattle. I wasn't really expecting that. I mean, typically Dalton hasn't been, you know, uh, well, shoot, that was a career high. You don't really expect that from Andy Dalton. And so what is it to this offense, this new Bengals, Zach Taylor, former Sean McVay protege? He was the quarterback's coach of the Rams last year. Uh, What can we expect this time around? Uh, 
those Bengals actually, I mean, they passed uh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, he called 56 pass plays last week against Seattle. And so it makes you wonder about this Niner secondary. Obviously, last week was, I mean, finally, thank God. But, you know, uh, you finally saw some playmaking ability from the Niner secondary. Thanks to the front seven, I mean, Richard Sherman, Akela Witherspoon, they both had pick sixes. They had three interceptions for the day. Uh, Yeah, that looks promising, but at the same time, too, uh, another tough matchup in the secondary. Um, You have Tyler Boyd. Apparently, you have John Ross. Uh, I don't know what the situation is with Joe Nixon, the running back, but you're going to see plenty of Giovanni Bernard in the passing game as well. We'll see. We'll see how, how it goes for the pass rush by the Niners on the road. Uh, it's going to be a nice little homecoming game for Nick Bosa from the Ohio State, the Buckeyes. And so he goes back to Ohio against the Bengals. And uh, I would like for him to make a nice performance this time around against the road. Um, but at the same time, too, I know that he also re-aggravated his ankle. Uh, last last game, he had a high ankle sprain going into the game against the Bucks. He re-aggravated that, you know, obviously just, just playing. And so they've been resting him, uh, sitting out during practice. And so I'd like to see how they do this time around for the pass rush. Uh, Eric Armstead, D Ford, Bosa, they looked good. Um, but let's just see how they do this time around against the road. Uh, but conversely, for the offense, for the Niners, you know, outside of James Winston last week, who was, you know, obviously, you know, they lost to the Niners. Uh, outside of that, Jimmy G was just as bad in terms of quarterback rating. I think his rating was like, what, in the 40s and the 50s. Um, he didn't do so hot. I think he had an average of 6.2 yards per attempt average. Not too great. He also just completed one of seven attempts for... Um, three-plus yards, you know, down the field, meaning that he didn't really take that many shots down the field. A lot of checkdowns, a lot of conservative offense for Kyle Shanahan to get Jimmy G under his belt, get his feet comfortable. He's coming off an ACL injury. I get that. And now he's got a back-to-back road game. So I'll be really intrigued to see how Jimmy G and his passing offense does. You know, obviously, George Kittle is going to get plenty of targets. Had eight catches last week for 54 yards, but... You know, the receivers for the Niners, all starting receivers, they, I think, at most got three targets. That can't really happen in the long haul. I don't know what the deal is with Dante Pettis. I don't know what the deal is with the rest of the receivers, but, you know, they they need to step up. Last week, you know, this Niners offensive line, they did pretty well. Kept Jimmy G relatively clean in the pocket. But, I mean, you know, the the Bengals, their, their defense, I mean, it's not great per se, but... You know, on their front seven, their defensive line, not too bad. Sam Hubbard, you know, Atkins, Carl Lawson. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it could be troublesome for, for this Niners offensive line, especially on the road. From what I understand, it's not going to be like, you know, hot, hot, humid like it was in Tampa Bay, but it's going to be in the 90s at Cincy. Uh, once again, weather might be a factor in this. And so, you know, the rotation and all that. Um does make you wonder how good is this Bengals offense and conversely you know can Jimmy G in week two how can he bounce back after you know to be honest uh, a lackluster performance where the defense saved the Niners this time around 
so having said that, Niners at Cincy. Cincy is favored by one and a half over under 45. You know, I think the Niners can do this. I think that overall, both teams are relatively close in stature, but I think the Niners, from a coaching perspective, I think that Kyle Shanahan will get this team on track. And I like what I saw out of the defense, notably the front seven on the pass rush side. The Bengals, their tackles right now, they're hurt as well. Cordy Glenn, Bobby Hart. And so that could be a good opportunity for D Ford, Nick Bosa, um, Eric Armstead, maybe some Solomon Thomas. But go ahead and give me the Niners 27 to 24. Niners 27, Bengals 24. Onwards again. Another road game for the NFC West. You have the Seahawks who are coming off a very close 21-20 victory against the aforementioned Bengals. But this time they're on the road and they're playing a very... um, How do you say this? A very mad, a very angry Pittsburgh Steelers team because the Steelers played Sunday Night Football at New England and they got their asses handed. They lost 33-3 to where they didn't even get a touchdown. Uh, their run game was shit. They had like 40 rushing yards. Their passing game... You know, Dante Moncrief is certainly no Antonio Brown, and you saw that, um, you know, constant drops. The execution was all over the place. But the Steelers are getting their home opener against the Seahawks. And so the Steelers are favored three and a half over under 46 and a half. And you would think, you would think, and Pete Carroll has mentioned this pre pre-game and his recent interviews throughout the week that hey the Steelers team on on film they didn't miss a couple plays but their their offense looks just as potent I'm sure they're looking to rebound especially at home you know dial up James Conner dial up Juju Smith um you know a little bit of Vance McDonald down the middle uh yeah man I mean I think the Seahawks team has uh, they might be coming into a trap uh and the reason why I say that is yeah, the Seahawks offense, they usually start off slow. They start off slow. They try to get the run game established. They didn't do that last week against the Bengals. I'm sure they're going to keep that on their priority to maintain the time of possession and establish the run with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. But, um, man, I'm just kind of worried about the Seattle Seahawks secondary. Trey Flowers, Shaquille Griffin, I mean, they gave up, like I mentioned before, they gave up 400 passing yards at home against the Bengals, and people were saying, you know, in years past, Legion of Boom. I've I've been hearing Legion of Gloom. They haven't been playing so hot. So, I don't know. I mean, Juju Smith could kill them, Um, just absolutely kill them. If things uh, go in the Steelers, you know, this time around at home, if they get their shit together and Juju Smith gets it right, I mean, it could be really, really, really worrisome. Um, On the other side, you know, for the run defense, I mean, James Conner didn't do so hot in his debut against the Patriots, but I'm for sure certain that uh, this offensive line and the running game will be much, much better this time around. Uh, I, I wonder, because um, ironically, it was the Seattle Seahawks, uh, their defensive line, that was really the, the shining unit for the Seahawks defense last week. Uh, but can they do it again? Uh, this time around, hopefully we'll see a little bit more Jadavion Clowney. Hopefully Ziggy, Ziggy Ansah makes his debut. I heard that the rookie first-round pick, LJ Collier, 
supposed to make his debut. He's been hurt all preseason. And so you have some optimism. Um, let's just see how this pass rush goes because the Steelers' offensive line is much better than the Bengals. So I don't know. I, I find this as a tough trap game for the Seahawks for a team like the Steelers who are mad looking to redeem themselves and especially at home. I just feel that this might be problematic to say the least. So, I mean, when you look at the Steelers' front seven, T.J. Watt, Javon Hargrave, uh, even though they lost, even though they lost 33-3, to they did generate 11 pressures against you know, the, the Patriots' offensive line, which is pretty good this year. But consider, I mean, uh, between the Seahawks, Justin Britt, Dwayne Brown, Jermaine Effetti, they were okay against the Bengals last week. They allowed nine pressures. So... We'll see how it goes, but it's going to be a tough game for Seattle on the road. Uh, give me the Seattle Seahawks 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers 24. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I just feel that this is a trap game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last but not least, in my opinion, the most exciting game in the NFC West, it is the rematch of the NFC Championship last week. Uh, not last week, last year. So, as you guys are more than aware, um, the Rams went on to go to the Super Bowl. They played the Saints, but they did it in dramatic fashion. You know, this whole ordeal about the ability to challenge passing interference calls or challenge non-passing interference calls was due to this game where Nickel Roby Coleman blatantly, you know, I'd say tackled, interfered. With the Saints receiver, it was a non-call, and that ended up kind of winning the game. Mind you, the Saints did go into overtime. They did have first possession, and they still lost. So it wasn't completely because of that play, but it did have a major factor. Uh, and I'm sure the Saints are, you know, they're being kind of silent about it right now, but their fans are certainly pissed off about it still. And the Saints want to obviously respond. The Saints are going on the road where the Rams are hosting at L.A. Uh, I believe the spread is the Rams favored by three over under 53. You know, just in perspective, if two teams are more or less about the same. Easily give the home team three points. And so that's kind of where I see it in this point right here. Uh, both teams are evenly matched. And so the Rams are hosting. Uh, but at the same time, too, I know that... You know, emotionally, the Saints might take this game more so than just any game. I'm sure they penciled this on their calendar way in advance in, in terms of, like, you know, responding, making a statement towards the league, and, you know, honestly uh, kind of showing their fans that, hey, you know, this whole NFC Championship ordeal is bullshit. They should have won. They should have went to the Super Bowl. They should have put on a better performance against the Patriots, which is not uh, – you can't get any worse than what the Rams did last year. Sorry about that, but um, yeah. So when I look at the Rams offensively, Jared Goff, he had like, what, 180 passing yards. He didn't really do much last week against the Panthers. Um, he probably has to do some more, like way more this week because they're playing the Saints, and the Saints are a high-scoring team, obviously. You guys saw, saw Monday Night Football against the Texans. I mean, yeah, they still have Michael Thomas. They still have Kamara, Drew Brees. I mean, that unit can go. And so Goff obviously has Gurley who looks amazing 
despite the touchdowns for fantasy football owners, but he looked like he had some juice. His knees looked okay. Malcolm Brown. And then, you know, in terms of depth, they have much better receivers than the Saints. You know, you have Michael Thomas, but it, there's a pretty far drop-off after that between Tejin and the rest of the gang. But, you know, the Rams, they have Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, who's been... Cooper Cup, by the way, was excellent last week converting third downs and being that go-to guy for Jared Goff. And they have Josh Reynolds, and so they have a better overall offense. But still, this interior offensive line, uh, Joseph Nobloom, Brian Allen, they're two new starters this year, and you know they're going to have their share of ups and downs as they adjust in, in these high-pressure situations. Joseph Nobloom particularly didn't do too well against the Panthers. He had right around a sub-500 grade per pro football focus. And I think between Noteboom and the right tackle, Rob Havenstein, they allowed about eight total pressures as a duo. And just think about that. I mean, you know, in years past, you don't think too much about the Saints defense, but their front seven, this, this unit this year or the last couple years, is it's pretty good on paper. Um, Cameron Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, last week they combined for nine total pressures. And consider, you know, you also have... Sheldon Rankins and a couple of the, these other guys on the front seven. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's something to consider. It's something to consider. Uh, conversely, you know, for the Rams and their defense, Aaron Donald was a bit silent last week. You didn't see too much of him. But at the same time, you saw Corey Littleton. You saw Dante Fowler make plays. And I think that's kind of the trickle-down effect when you can command those double teams, those triple teams. I'd like to see Aaron Donald take full advantage of a rookie first-round center for the Saints center in Eric McCoy. I know he was stellar the first week in his rookie debut, but Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. This interior pass blocking by the Saints needs to contain, or at least try to contain Aaron Donald. And I'm expecting a bigger game for Aaron Donald because, yeah, you can't, you can't contain him. Eventually, he's going to get through, or someone else is going to make plays. And so, you know, Drew Brees isn't a mobile quarterback at all. He's a he's a pocket passer. And so, if Aaron Donald can be the Aaron Donald that we know, and push the pocket, collapse the pocket, um, this secondary should uh, should have a very good time. He should have a very good time. But at the same time, too, you know, these backers, Corey Littleton, Ekubom, Clay Matthews. I mean, they're going to have their hands full trying to contain Alvin Kamara. Kamara in the pass game, the, the run game, and they also have Latavius Murray. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty tough assignment. It's a pretty tough assignment to contain this run game and to watch out for Drew Brees and play action, to watch out for Michael Thomas, who, you know, NFC Championship game, he was contained, but last year in the regular season, he had like, what, what 15 catches for 220 yards and a touchdown. It was something ridiculous like that. And it's totally possible that this could happen again. So, all in all, it should be a very close game. Um, I won't say the Rams will for sure pull this out for the win. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Jared Goff. Kind of, I won't say rebounding because they won the game, but, you know, showing a little bit more than what he did last week. So, give me the Saints, the New Orleans Saints 28. Give me the Rams 31. The Rams are favored by three, over under 53, so I think it goes really close to that line. 
Hence them winning by three points and being just slightly under. Um, it should be a, a shootout. It should be a high-scoring game. Obviously, 28 to 31 is my prediction. Um, but, you know, at the same time, too, it should be very fun to see these running backs in action, especially in the passing game. Todd Gurley, Devery Henderson, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, man, it should be. Uh, I mean, obviously, Henderson didn't do so much last week, but... This time around, I it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't surprise me to unleash him against the Saints. So, okay. So all in all, just to wrap it up, I have the Cardinals losing thirteen to twenty eight to the Ravens, the Niners winning twenty seven to twenty four against the Bengals, the Seahawks losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers twenty to twenty four, and the Rams squeaking it out thirty one to twenty eight against the Saints. Once again, thank you so much for your time. Continue to follow the pod on iTunes, Spotify. Check out my Twitter, at Just the West. Instagram, at Just the West. And, of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. This time around, I'm going to have a couple of pregame posts in regards to the matchups and, and some of the stuff that I said for here. I'll get that queued up for Saturday. Um, last week, it was a little hectic. This time, I got you guys. Until next time. We out here. Peace.